All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get right into uh, the message. So, uh, Jesus, I just thank you that you're here, that uh, our eyes are still turned on you, Lord, uh, right now. And I just pray that you speak powerfully, poignantly uh, into our hearts. And I pray specifically that tonight you inspire uh, us, you give us vision corporately and individually of what it looks like to, to grow and mature into the fullness of who we are in you. We want to see you. We want to behold your glory. And I want your word to become flesh in us. So God, I pray that you do something powerful tonight that, that marks us as we move forward from here. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is the crowning jewel of the churches of this time, of the Asian churches. This was like the leading church. This was a Hillsong of the day, I guess. The one that everybody would have known, the church in Ephesus. And so Paul, uh, I love reading this because it's Paul writing to a church. Um, these are, you know, saved people. This is not, these aren't baby Christians. This is the leaders of the Asian world, um, of the Mediterranean world. Um, of the day, and he's writing to them um, really uh, a message that uh, should be read in that context, that he's writing to mature Christians, and he's trying to take them to the next level um, of their faith, which is an exciting aspect of Christianity, is God is unsearchable, there's always something more. So if you feel stagnant and bored, uh, problem's not God, it's on your end, like we need new vision, new perspective. So Paul, he prays this prayer, and it's one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture, I've meditated on this prayer probably more than any other prayer. And I'm just going to read, starting at verse uh, 16, about the second half of it. It says, Making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? So I'm going to break this down a little bit. There's three things he's praying for. He's praying that we would know. First of all, it's amazing. All these things he's saying you actually need like some type of supernatural revelation. You need light to flood your heart. That would be the literal Greek. So that you can perceive, one, the hope of your calling. Two, the riches of his inheritance and the saints. And three, the immeasurable greatness of his power. So hope, uh, hope is a powerful thing. And uh, the way that I kind of had a revelation of hope a number of years ago, I heard a guy speaking on this way and I kind of contextualized it to my own story. But hope, hope is, is like this. This is what biblical hope is. Uh, who, who celebrates Christmas in here? Most of us? Yeah, so you'll, you'll probably relate too. Uh, when I was growing up as a little kid, we slept upstairs, and in the Christmas tree, we had this big vaulted um, ceiling room where the Christmas tree was. We put big old Christmas trees, so you could see the tree, you just couldn't see to the bottom of it from the upstairs, especially as a little kid. So Christmas morning, I specifically remember certain Christmas mornings when I was always sleeping in, so my brothers would wake me up and be like, come on, it's Christmas, it's time to go get your presents, you know? And it was always the same year, or same thing every year. We'd be like, can we come down? And my parents would be probably down there getting things ready. And they'd be like, no, 
no, and we'd be up there like squealing, you know, like, but can I come down? Like, can I come down? Can we come down yet? And like, no, no, right? And there was this intense anticipation that I was experiencing. And there was this point where all of a sudden God said, Jordan, that's hope. You are experiencing hope. You don't hope in what you see, you hope in what you don't see. But the reason that I had great hope was because I knew that my parents loved me and I thought it was Santa Claus. That was actually a rough day. <laughs> I had a lot of faith in Santa. Seriously, broke my heart when I found out he wasn't real. At 12, I cried all the way to school. You think I'm joking. Supernatural was real at a young age. No. Um, but I was experiencing hope because I knew, right, that my, I trusted in my parents' goodness. I didn't know what was coming. I, I had not seen any of the presents, but I knew there was goodness coming my way. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Jordan, every morning when you wake up, there's goodness coming your way because I am the father of lights in whom there is no shifting shadow of variation. And I graciously give. He gives. He gives goodness. Right? So when we wake up each morning, we should be possessed with an anticipation that I don't know what it looks like, but I know it's good because I know who my God is. Amen? That's hope. That's what Paul's praying for. I pray that you will be, your eyes will be open so you will perceive how much goodness is coming to you, the hope of your calling. I do want to clarify, though, that he's not speaking to individual. He's not saying, Kari, the hope of your calling. He's writing to the entire Ephesian community. And I believe that for us to really have our, our, our fulfillment, we have to recognize that it's the hope of our calling. It's interdependent. It's not, it's not an individual's gospel. And uh, the best example I can use, this is just fresh on me this week, is I talked with, you know, we're going to do this, this revival crusade in India. And I talked to the pastor this week, and he was telling me, he was talking about things, just kind of like the whole dynamic of the 10 days when we'll be there. And he said, you know, I really would hope that you can honor all the volunteers that are starting next week advertising uh, and promoting to, to put this together and getting, you know, and, and pouring their lives into it for the next six months. I was like, six months? And he said, yeah, and the boys at the orphanage are up every day at 4 a.m. interceding for a move of God in our city. I can get emotional because I'm just like, who are we that we get to come? And they're building a platform for us to come and usher in and bring. And we will. We have good things to offer. We have the anointing, God's calling and ordaining this. And we're going to see people saved. And we're going to see blind eyes open. And we're going to see deaf ears open. And we're going to see his glory but it is, and we celebrate that. That's the mountaintop. That's the amazing thing. But what about the people that are giving their lives and pouring in? And, and these boys that are interceding, these little orphan boys up at 4 a.m. interceding on a rooftop. I was with them earlier in the year, me and John. Woke up and prayed with them. It's precious. It's passionate. And it is not like, dear Jesus. It's like, John! I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I need to wake up. They're out praying me right now, and I'm the pastor. Right? Um, but I say that to say, we all have a very dynamic part in seeing everything happen. And, and I just, it's the hope of our calling, and it's kind of a caveat, but I hope that we can begin to get the eyes of heaven to honor the way that heaven does. Because we like to honor what's up front, but that, that's, that's like honoring the peak of the mountain and not realizing that what does it rest upon? Is there any lesser, greater part? No, no. And so that's why we really need his eyes to be able to do that. But it, regardless, um, there's great hope here. There's great hope in this family. 
There's great hope. There's good things coming. We don't know what they are, but they're good, and they're better than we expect because he's good. Amen? Second one, he wants us to have a revelation of the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, which is a.k.a. that you'll have your eyes open to how valuable you are to God. Uh, this is huge because for us, to, when we know our worth, we'll actually let ourselves receive what we believe we're worth. Uh, if you don't think you're worth something, you won't let yourself receive it. There's a secular study on people that win the lottery. You know how they'll win the lottery and then they like, it's like this phenomenon where they will literally go back into poverty. They'll have like, uh, like $100 million and then they'll be like five years later, literally right back in the same trailer house that they used to live in. And it happens so frequently that they begin doing studies. And there's a secular study that the, the, this is what they came to. This was the root cause of what they found. The reason that people would lose it and go back down is because people, they wouldn't let themselves receive it because they didn't think they were worth it. And they found that people would start self-sabotaging to pull themselves down back to a place of where they think that they're worth. And so we have this God who's saying, I want you to understand how much I have for you. But he's saying, you need to know how valuable you are to me because you won't let yourself receive the radical, passionate love of a holy God until you have a revelation of who you are through the blood of Jesus. Amen? You'll self-sabotage. You'll cut it out. You won't be able to receive it. And if you want to say, where are you at in this journey? Do an internal check, but how you handle compliments from people. If your first response is to wash it away or put it on or project it or say it's not me, it was just Jesus, you're not able, you don't know your worth. People say, Jordan, that was a great sermon. If I were to say it's not me, it's Jesus, I hope you say back to me, it wasn't that good of a sermon. <laughs> right? Like, it was good. It wasn't that good. Right? You know, if someone says that song's so beautiful, no, it wasn't me, that was Jesus. Again, it wasn't that beautiful. It was good, right? But we have to recognize that there is a sense that when you know who you're worth, you have to be able to receive. And Bill Johnson, he says, if you don't know how to receive a crown, you won't have one to go worship him with. And I love that. You know, we're royalty, but the beautiful aspect, royal worship, is when you come knowing who you are. And you take it off and you take that crown and you say, Lord, I throw it at your feet. You're worthy. But that's private. It's not public. Um, we have to be able to receive compliments. That's okay. You're not going to get prideful. You're only going to get prideful if you take it and you keep it to yourself. Take it, then go to Jesus and give it to him. Amen? Sound good? That's helped me a lot. But we need to have a revelation. Um, and the revelation is this. It says that we were bought with a price. The way that you measure worth of anything out there, I'm looking at cars right now because my car finally is donezo, unfortunately. And unfortunately, these cars cost more than I would like them to, right? But you measure what things are worth by what you pay for them. Oh, this is a nice truck. It costs $30,000, right? Um, what was your purchasing price? It was the shed blood of the righteous son of God. What's your value? How do you quantify that? That's why you, it's not meant, it's the eyes of your heart have to have a revelation that you're worth Jesus. You were worth a son. Amen? This is big stuff. Come on. Woo! I feel like someone needs to say something good. You look like sad right now. That's good news. 
<laughs> Good news. <laughs> yeah, we're worth Jesus. That's incredible. That's incredible. And lastly, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. We were created to be living manifestations of resurrection power. We were created to be used by him to bring the reality of his world into this one. And this is a world that's been, Romans 8 says, it's been subjected to futility because of the sin of mankind. So there's this decay, there's this dying. But Jesus came and right, he, he put his spirit inside of us and all of creation is groaning for the sons and the daughters of God to awaken to who they are, which is living manifestations of his power in the earth. Right? He makes dead things come to life. His word goes to a valley of dry bones and they become an army. Right? He, he makes beauty from ashes. He brings joy from mourning. And we have been given the privilege of being so full of it, of his power, that it just exudes from our life. And we see amazing things. We were made, we were made to be um, ambassadors of miracles. Um, I believe that there's a deep-seated desire in each one of us to see impossibilities bow to the name of Jesus. And it's that name that they bow to. And so many people, particularly pertaining these, you know, God really using them in powerful ways. They say, I don't know. I don't know about me. I don't know if that's for me. And I say, it's not about your name. It's about his. It's about the name of Jesus, which is marked. It's tattooed on your heart like a seal. You belong to him. He purchased you with his blood. He named you with his own mouth. He spoke you into existence. You are made for him and by him and through him. And so it's not about your name. Am I called to be used in a great way? Yes, because it's not about you. It's about his name. And that name makes impossibilities bow. That name makes blind eyes open. It makes deaf ears open. It, it, it makes cripples walk. I've seen it with my own eyes. It blows me away every time. It's the name of Jesus, and it is tattooed on you. You are made to be used by God in a powerful way. Yes, you. You. I don't care how ordinary you feel because I feel the same. You're made. You're handcrafted by God to be a living manifestation of his power. And again, we need a revelation of this. So turn a few pages over uh, to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to get really into what is my vision. Why am I sharing this stuff? So again, this is Paul speaking to a very beautiful, powerful church. I'm going to start in verse 11, and I'm going to read about eight verses, which is a lot, but uh, they're good. So this is uh, Paul talking here, and he says, he gave, talking about Jesus, says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, 
by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. I'm going to unpack like three dynamics of it. There's three different aspects within this passage that talk about the church growing. All right, the main message here, you don't need to read it. I'm just going to kind of piece some things, take some commas out. So he basically gave these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, which I'm just going to refer to as a blanket statement of church leadership. Government, five, some people call these five-fold ministers. So there are people that God has called to lead in the, like the church building, right? And then there's some people um, that are called uh, to be marketplace Christians, right? Like most people. Like I'd say the, the smaller percentage is called to be pastors in the church. The bigger percentage is called to be pastors in the city. Does that make sense? Um, these people have been called to equip the saints to do the work of service to the building up of the mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So these people, church leaderships, me, my life, God's called me to the church to equip you to do the work of ministry so that the church will raise up to the full measure of the stature of Christ, to the fullness of Jesus, all right? There's like two commentaries after this now on what this, what is this work of service? I'm supposed to equip you to do a work of service. What is the work of service? The first one is in verse 15. Uh, again, it talks about something that you're to do, and then we grow, and it says, Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into Jesus, who is the head. And then there's a second commentary on this, and it says, according to the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body. So in other words, I'm going to put together my own sentence here. People that are called pastors to the church are called to equip you to work properly to speak the truth in love so that the church will grow up and look like Jesus. All right, what did Jesus look like? I, was, I wonder how long I could just be silent. He looked like power. He looked like purity. He looked like holiness. He looked like compassion. He looked like truth. He looked like grace. He looked like knowing the right thing to say in the right situation. He looked like the most important and and just world-shifting person that ever lived this life. He radically shifted history. He is the defining mark. It's why we changed the years after he lived. He, he, he shifted everything. He's the most dynamic human that ever lived. He's not just human, but you know what I'm saying, right? And we somehow, as the church, and Paul's writing to the Ephesian church here, you're to raise up to the fullness of Christ. But it looks like the people who are the church leadership the fivefold ministers equipping the saints and the saints working properly, doing the work of ministry and speaking the truth in love. I have a burning desire in my heart. There's just this compelling that each one of you has a message that the world needs to hear. Each one of you, by what every joint supplies, working properly causes the body to grow. Each one of you, have, some, have a role to play that is not just, just lip service. 
It's not just like, oh, we're a body, but it's really about the worship pastor and the preacher. That's not it. That's, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying you're only going to grow up to the full measure of Jesus when all the people are fulfilling their calling and their role and they're working properly and they know their message and they are communicating it in love to the world. We are all so different. Some of you would never want to stand here and preach, but you'll, you could write notes for hours to people. Some people love to intercede. People are in there interceding every week for all of you. Some people are the most hospital people. They love to, like, it, some people are out there in the marketplace. Some people are evangelistic. Some people, like, we are, it's the widest thing ever imaginable, the gospel and the body of Christ. We are so, it's like, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. It's like a diamond. You look at it a million different ways, you see a million different things. And that's the body of Christ. And my heart, what I really want to see, my vision for this next year boils down to this. And I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of what I believe this looks like. But my vision is to equip you to work properly, expressing your message, so that we will grow into the fullness of Christ. I want to see fullness. I want this city, when they see Riverhouse or think of it, they just say, I, I see Jesus. And that doesn't, that's not an individual. That's something bigger than we could ever be together. I just listened to a TED Talk. He was talking about social networks. He said social networks are freaky because they become like a super organism that is more than any of the individual parts could ever dream of being. And I'm thinking this is from a secular perspective. How much more so when you make a social network with Jesus Christ as the head right in the middle through it and flowing and his life flowing and his resurrection power growing and the hope of his calling known by everyone and the riches, they know their value. So there's not comparison and manipulation and, and, and subject, you know, trying to claw up and down. No, it's humility. It's love. It's sacrifice. It's service. It's laying down. It's, it's doing the things that nobody's looking about. Why? So that when we see his glory fall, we can all sit back and say, I was a part of that. I was a part of that. And heaven honors me because of it. That's where reward is. That's where the kingdom is. That's where everything your heart's desiring is because that's where Jesus is. And honestly, it freaks me out. I don't know how to do it. It's got to be like God. But okay, Lord, I pray all the time. People, you guys always ask me, what can I pray you for? I say wisdom, 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 wisdom. You know why? Because how on earth do you create an organism or organization, organism, same thing. It's a body where everyone is being utilized, where everyone is feeling purpose and fulfilled. I don't know, but I know it's in his heart because it's his idea. It's not mine. I'm just preaching his word. Amen but I believe it. So what does this look like practically? Um, if we can put the slides up, you can just start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I kinda, I bounced a little bit forward, but I'm gonna start just kind of where we came from because then I'm gonna push to where I believe that we're going because I think if I tell you where we came from, you'll have more faith uh, about where we're going when I tell you that. But uh, this right here is Riverhouse's first service. And this is uh, June 5th, 2016. So this is not very long ago. Um, I'm just going to talk through a few pictures because it's fun. Um, 
You say, why do you call it River House? What's the logo? Well, that's where we made it, this little meeting in Jody's kitchen. Uh, and we just kind of had a planning meeting. You can see it right there. We've just, we had just flipped the V upside down. So uh, that's why River House. Um, you can go one more. Uh, we moved from there uh, to the dam. Oh, I think we, wait, go, go forward. Oh, that's horrible. That's our first open meeting uh, in a little, in Jody Miller's little house. She's not here tonight, pink hair. Go, now you can go back. Um, and we, so we were at that house. So we went from the backyard, then we went to another little living room, then we went to uh, that house that we just showed you, and then we went to the, the dance studio downtown, and that's actually Dr. Stan Fleming and his wife Kathleen preaching. I wasn't there that night, but it was powerful. Uh, but you can see the mirrors. That was really effective for our worship services. If you wanted to see who was in front of you, you could just kind of look over there, and you could see him. It was great to preach in, too, let me tell you. I loved it. We didn't even have a microphone half the night. It was hilarious. I was, like, dying. I was like, Lord, this is insane. Uh, but we were there for maybe two months, I think. And then uh, you can keep going. I think we have There's one more. And here's our birthday celebration. So you can just scroll through. We put on, most of you, I don't even know how many of you were here. Who was here for the birthday? Oh, so many weren't. That's amazing. Well, look. Look at these pictures. They, they, we did this all. I didn't do almost any of it. Nothing. Keep going. Yeah, and so November 5th, we moved in here. Um, and there's the team that really, they were there like five hours early doing everything. So love you all. Um, and I think that's it for pictures. Um, but I wanted to say that to say is that we've been on this journey where uh, we went really from nothing to where we are now, which blows me away. I've had so many people say, this is a miracle. And I say, I know. They say, how do you do it? I say, I don't know. They say, well, that doesn't help me. I say, I don't. But I pray. That's all I did. Um, but I was a, almost a year ago in one week, a year ago next week, uh, I was leading a different church in a different city that was very precious to me. I'd planted it. I'd grown it for three years. It had um, finally grown. It'd been, it was a really amazing process. And I was on a beach in Hawaii, and the Lord spoke to me. This was the first few days in February last year. The Lord spoke to me, and I said, I want you to give. He said, your first fruits are holy unto me. I want you to give it away, and it's time to go to Boise and plant a church. And it was one of the most peaceful experiences of my life, but also one of the most terrifying, because I knew I had no money, I had no backing, I had no idea what I was doing, and it was going to be the greatest leap of faith in my life. Um, I remember Johnny Glisson was one of the first people that I told. I broke down crying, Sawadee and Meridian. I was like, dude, I'm so scared. I was like, I have no money. You hear the horror stories of church plants where, like, you know, you're like eight people for four years and da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, God, you know, I'm leaving my ministry that I love. I had some guy, the last, my last night at the, the last church, he came up to me and said, Jordan, I just want you to know your faith really inspires me because I can't figure out why anyone would ever leave this church to go start from nothing. And I was like, yeah, I haven't figured that out either. It's like I kind of need some of that inspiration, though, because I don't feel very inspired, right? Um, yeah, we budgeted. We budgeted $13,000 for last year. The lawyer, when I was firing the 501c3, I had to give him like an IRS, like the IRS, like a proposed budget. And he looked at it, and he's like, well, I can see you're not planning to get rich off this. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I'm just hoping I can make a little bit of money so that I'm not poor, living homeless, right? Um, and God, like I said, we budgeted 13. We brought in over $82,000 last year in five months. 
which is only glory to God. I say it, it's just glory to God. It's just the favor of Jesus. It blows me away. Um, you know, we didn't know what. We started with 10 people in a backyard, and now you're all here. I'm not sure how you got here because we haven't marketed it really. You know, we have a Facebook page. You see Facebook? I still don't figure out sometimes these people coming in. It's just God. It's just God. I don't believe in self-promotion because what you have to create by self-promotion, you have to sustain with self-promotion, and it all anchors on a foundation of striving. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do it that way. This is either your idea, and you're going to build this church, or it's not going to work because I'm not going to do it myself. And it's just been this journey for me individually. We're seeing miracles happen. We're seeing things. There, there are exciting things coming down the pike. Trust me. can't tell you everything tonight, but it's coming soon. Um, and God is just moving, and it's amazing. And if he can do what he's done in the last year to get us here, I just have great faith and expectation for what the next year is going to look like. Um, you can go, so yeah, where are we going? You can go to the next slide, and it's, yeah, it's really crappy because it got stretched. But you know what? It's good enough. So just look at me. I'll reference you a few times. Don't look at that. I did that on Microsoft Word this afternoon. So you can see I'm a really gifted graphic artist person. No, that's one of those gifts I don't have. So anyways, uh, what this is, is this is, I, I just want to get this image in your mind because this is, we're creating an organism here, and it's a cell structure, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow by you. But uh, the middle, the big house, that is what we think of when we think of church, the building, right? We're here at the house, the church, the wor- corporate ministries, okay? Um, RGs, revival groups, think house churches. Okay, these are communities that are simply praying together, they're family, and they are on mission. Okay, and they're engaging in these empty spaces here, which I'm calling missional spaces, which are subcultures of our city that are waiting to be filled. They're empty, and they're waiting to be filled with love. So who's going to come and evangelize them? The families, the house churches, the revival groups, which is you, okay? So that's, that's the thing. So first, um, corporate ministries. My vision, what my, my, my sole aim for when we gather corporately uh, is to create this an environment where the presence of God is ripe and you're encountering him. You are experiencing his love. You are having powerful things take place. You're being transformed. Isaiah, Isaiah 50 uh, is a... Is a it's something I carry in me as far as what do I do when I'm preaching. It's uh, to sustain the weary with the word. It's to bring an anointed word so that people are encountering Jesus. To create worship um, that's excellent so that you're being ushered into the, in the purity and the power of Jesus. To just create a safe and holy environment for you to, to experience God. You know, that, that's the goal. That's really why we do it. And I believe something happens in corporate worship that doesn't happen anywhere else. And so that's why we do it. And we're power, passionate about it. It's a beautiful, holy thing. It's not sufficient for all of Christianity, but it has its place. We need a space where we can come and just turn our eyes on Jesus with our brothers and sisters. Amen? Um, and that includes everything that goes into this. So our goal is to create this a very excellent experience, an excellent, and everybody serving and doing their part. Children's ministry is, develop, um, is developing. You know, we need greeting ministry. We need a sound and AV team. We need worshipers on the stage. We need a ministry team that's going to be praying and blessing one another. We need, we, we need, we, there's like a lot of needs. We need ushers. We need greeters. Like, there's something for you to serve to help make this the space that it is. And we're really just serving it um, and creating a, a, a tabernacle where the Holy of Holies, that's where we want to come, right? That's why I come to church 
Um, when, even when I go, when I go, uh, you know, when I'm not the pastor and I go, I go to places where I know that God's going to sustain me, that God's going to touch me. That's the goal of Sundays, um, Sunday, these worship experiences. Uh, Sunday afternoons, very exciting. February 12th, we are launching uh, our Christian education component of what we're doing. And I want this to be a word and spirit church with a healthy spirituality that has to be grounded in the Bible. And frankly, I'm going to call you all out. There's a lot of you that don't know the Bible. And it grieves me. Because if we don't know the story that God has written, we will not be able to interpret what God is doing today. And so we need to have the word in us. And so we're going to create space and have very um, dynamic and equipping times. It's going to be an equipping hour. We're going to come and, and we're, it's the Riverhouse DNA uh, class. It's going to be like a four-week class really just going in the depths of who we are theologically and different things. It's going to be launching February 12th at 3.30. We'll probably have more to come, but uh, I don't even know if I was supposed to announce that. So sorry, Susanna. But uh, uh, it's coming. Yay. Um, and also follow that is going to be a spiritual gifts class, which is really um, what I mentioned earlier, this um, really a drawing out and a really healthy view of how can we create a culture where it's safe for me to be me and you to be you, right? And that your gift isn't projected on me and I'm not projecting on you. And there's not like healings, the cool one that everybody wants and the other ones are neglected. I don't want that. That's not what. That's that's not healthy. That's not the Bible. We're gonna create a, a culture where we really understand. It. We have to express my gift of what God's given me, and not what I think God should give me because it's cool or powerful, right? And creating so. That, yeah, I'm not going to go into it all, but it will be beautiful. It will be amazing. But that will be the afternoons. Uh, youth ministry. We're working to develop youth ministry. That will also probably be centered on afternoons. It's not 100%, but it will be there as well. I'm just talking corporate ministries of the church. But really, at this point, uh, that's, that's what we're looking at, right, afternoons and evenings. Uh, we do, uh, we have a desire to get into a building full time. So we don't know when. We're really, uh, I don't make decisions that I don't see my father doing. So he hasn't gone there yet. So we're here until he tells us to go somewhere else. But uh, we're believing for that, you know, and then Sunday mornings will probably develop as well. But for now, uh, this is what it's looking like, at least for the next six months or so, uh, afternoons, evenings. Only other corporate ministry we do, because I, to the best of my ability, corporate ministries will be centered on Sunday. Because these are, this, that's, that's the day. And then the rest of the week is about living the gospel. This is where we're receiving things. We're receiving, you know, visitations of the Lord, something powerful, dynamic happening. I'm being refreshed. I'm being spoken to. I'm being, this is like, this is like the huddle, right? All right, what's the play? What's the play? All right, here's the huddle. I'm telling you guys the play. Blue 42, Omaha, right? Just joking. You didn't think that was funny. But you hear me, this is the huddle, right? This is the huddle. So I don't want to huddle four times a week. Because then you don't play very much. And what's the fun stuff? When you play, right? You get out there on the field and things start happening. You score touchdowns, interceptions, stuff, yada, yada, boom. That's where everybody watches. I don't, I'm not glued in the huddle. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? That's so much people's Christianity. What's the preacher going to say? It's like, that's not enough. That's just the play. Now let's go do it. It's about living it, right? And yeah, okay, you guys are waking up now. Finally preaching good news. I'm excited. Okay, this is the huddle. So that's why corporate ministries, the huddles, I want them to be on Sunday. Doesn't mean that there won't be other things down the road, but that is my aim, is to protect you from falling into huddle Christianity. I'm not going to govern, I'm not going to lead the church in a way that you can fall into that. All right? Uh, 
So only other corporate ministry, it's not Sunday. It's Tuesday morning early, 6 a.m. for prayer. So I'm not taking away from your days. I'm taking away from your sleep uh, to give it as the Lord as a sacrifice of praise. I have a vision of us getting the heart of God of prayer and intercession. I was at a meeting in Columbia last year where like 700 people were up at 4 a.m. for two hours crying on their face to the Lord. And I wept and said, God, let me see it in my city. So right now we're in Ben and Ashley's house. When that gets too small, which it's going to, I hope we have to get this. And I hope this gets too small. I hope that Tuesday morning prayer is bigger than Sunday church. I'm just going to say that because that's when things start happening. That's more important, honestly. If you have to choose, it's love God, you know, and it's like, I don't know. Whatever, I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to start quoting me. People are going to think I'm weird. Um, You know what I'm saying. Prayer is important, and I love it. Okay, I want us to get it and just say, okay, what happens? What happens if I give two hours early on a, early on a Tuesday morning? What could happen? I don't think anything bad. <laughs> but I think there's a potential some really good stuff could happen. Amen. Intimacy with Jesus. All fruitfulness flows from one person's been listening. So <laughs> praise God. All right. Well, we're going to start doing notes as a church together soon too. Anyways, okay. That's uh, Tuesday morning. So that's corporate. Other than corporate, now we're going to move into what I'm just going to call like discipleship ministries, which is outside of the church, which is about doing the gospel, which is about living it in the playing field. Okay, and I, I, I vow before you all, I will lead this church to the best of my ability in a way that there are no bleachers. I'm not, they're not going to be here. Everyone's on the playing field. So welcome to the playing field. I do not want spectating Christianity. There's a big difference between watching it and then being, I heard someone talking about this recently, and then watching a hockey game, you're spectating it, but it's way different than when you're on the ice and you're encountering it. I, I will make it my, my goal to make you uncomfortable if you're not living the gospel out there because it's not enough. It's not enough to get the Holy Spirit ghost bumps, Holy Ghost bumps, and then just leave and then come back and get the ghost bumps next week and then leave. That's called, you know what happens? You know what happens when you eat all the time and you don't exercise? No fat Christians. And you know what I'm saying. I'm, you know what I'm saying. Spiritually. I'm serious. I'm not making a joke about physical things. But no spiritually obese Christians. It's not okay. All right? And so I'm going to make you uncomfortable. If you're just coming here, if you're part of another church and you're coming to receive, Great. But go do the gospel there too. Like we just have to do it because we're here like two hours a week. We're there like the rest of the week. So what's more important? They both serve their purpose. They're both the same, but you know what I'm saying. Okay. Um, But basically how I'm leading these, okay, revival groups, they're not super structured. My, my, I, I just have to see communities, right, little house churches forming of people that are embodying prayer, family, and mission. It's not a Bible study. It's not, you need to, it's, it's, I'm waiting for people. I am intentionally, it's vulnerable as a leader, but I am creating space for your initiative to rise up and say, God is putting something on my heart and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna open up my home and let people come in. I'm gonna, like, I, I don't know. I'm Like, I'm gonna, Take a risk. I'm going to try to make something. I'm going to try to do something to embody this gospel. 
some way so that it looks like something in my city, so that my life is this living, moving, breathing flow with the Holy Spirit, right? Like right now, we have one, and it's beautiful. It's an amazing community. They meet on Thursdays, and they're doing it. They're figuring out how to do this gospel together. And that's really, you're going to have to figure out how to do it together because you can't do it by yourself. So many people are not in a missional life because they don't have people that they're doing it together with. Right? But I'm leaving space intentionally, and I'm going to start pushing. I'm going to start prodding. I'm looking for the people that anointing's resting upon. Seriously. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to say, you're supposed to lead. You're supposed to create something. What am I supposed to create? I don't know. God knows, but you just have something you need to create. You need to create family. You need to open up your home. You need to do this. You need just initiative, initiative, initiative. We have to grab life by the horn. So many people live Christianity as if it's a red light and we're waiting for God to turn it green. He gave us a green light 2,000 years ago. And we live Christianity green light unless he gives me a caution. You're right. Well, God didn't tell me to go bless that homeless person on the side of the road. Well, he told you in the Bible, so maybe just ask him and, like, do it, right? And if he checks you and says don't, then don't. But he doesn't have to tell you. You know, God is often silent with his mouth because he wants to see if you know his heart. So he creates this silence. And he wants to see, do they know my heart? Are they compelled just by obedience? Or are they doing it from love? And you know what moves him? When we demonstrate to him, I know your heart. So I'm going to step out in faith because I know your heart. It's a good word. I'm preaching good tonight. <laughs> um, the last thing which is, uh, we prayed about tonight is missions. Um, we will be a missional church, and um, we're starting. We're going. Uh, we're going to India in July, and uh, we're going to minister probably a few thousand people at least at this crusade, and uh, probably more just in the the ebbs and flows. And we're going to see God move. But um, the vision that I have is, you know, it's both there's foreign missions and local missions as a part of this. But um, we're we're going to pioneer this, and we're going to step out, but. What my vision is is that we will get to the point where hundreds of people from this city are going to that nation and they're catching the fire of what they have. And if there's one gift that I want that we can receive from India, it's the, it's the poor in spirit. It's the hunger and thirst for righteousness. My vision, I feel the Lord has given me a, a, a very clear word and a mandate to create as this church is to create a highway where this culture is going to that culture and experiencing the revival that God's pouring out so that they can come back and be in a posture of vibrant Christianity, a, a, a hunger and thirst, like the persecuted church that is just desperate for Jesus so that we can see an outpouring in this land. I will say there are going to be two very different moves of God. God is doing something very different in Boise than he's doing in the nation of India. But there is a huge, uh, we have much to learn from one another. And... Um, I want, there's so many here that say, I want to see God move. And so I'm going to bring you, and you're going to see him move. And then you're going to come back, and it's going to change the way you do business. And it's going to change the way you do education and the way that you do, uh, um, uh, you know, all the things that you do. You know what I'm saying? Government. 
this, that, beauty, haircutting. I want it to change fundamentally the way that you live your life because of something that you see there. And so we're, we're working to bridge that and create that. And July is a huge first step. And uh, literally, it's in um, the nations are in the soul of this church. And we will go to the nations because they have, we have inheritance there. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us there. And we're going to go. And things are going to happen. And we're going to come home. And things are going to change. And there's going to be a beautiful connection between the first world and, you know, the global south where there is much less. And it's not about materialness. It's about they, 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 if I were to say who I think is wealthy, it's them. So no, I'm not going as a conquering king. We're coming to receive the beauty of what they have. And I mean that. I mean that. We have great anointing and things to release, but I am zealous for what they have, the humility that they possess in the Lord. And so uh, we will go, and we're going to go. Here I am. Send me. Here we are, Lord. Send us. And God's going to use you. He's going to use your hands and your mouth, and you're going to see him move. And um, many of you, it won't be this trip, but it will be the next one, which won't be down the road too far. Um, but that's where we're going in, in foreign missions. Um, local missions, um, again, these are going to be expressed in, in the communities, in the revival groups. And this looks like you getting ideas, and we're going to get behind them. I'm not going to lead the charge on everything. I want you to be powerful. I want you to lead, and some things will get behind you. How's that sound? It's kind of scary, right? Welcome to my world. Um, we're all a part of this, and it's a powerful part. And I believe that God's government works in such a way that everyone can be powerful, and everyone is significant, and everyone, once they know who they are, would never want to be anybody else. Amen? I'm going to close with this. The, the major thing that will hinder this, that will hinder this vision from coming to pass, is sin. It's not a popular thing to preach on, but that is what will hinder it. Sin, envy, jealousy, competition, comparison, self, pride, manipulation. It gets in the way, and it, and it perverts things, and it, and it dissuades, and it distorts and I'm preaching to myself just as much to you. Um, but God has an answer to sin. And uh, he answered it on the cross. Um, but it's a, it's a journey, right? It's a working out of your salvation. And I believe that our sanctification is of utmost priority. It's paramount issue for us as a church. Um, Paramount is a governmental term used. It's when a new policy like Trump comes in with a new administration. They will have things at the top of their agenda that those are the paramount issues, the things that must be addressed. And I believe our sanctification must be addressed. We must be holy or we will fall. And I don't just say that as like a few of us. I mean all of us. We must be a holy people. 1 John 3.9 says, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. I'm going to get a little weird on you here, but that word seed is the Greek word sperma, which, if you think of that biologically, is talking about the very DNA level of who you are. When you encounter God, there's something that happens that his seed gets planted in you in a very deep and real place, at a DNA level of who you are. His seed comes, and of course, it's a holy seed. It's a righteous seed. 
It's, 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 it is that first fruits of sanctification. Um, but seeds have to grow and mature and develop. And what we experience when we have these encounters with the Lord, I believe we have intimate encounters where things happen and things get implanted in us, but they will die if they are not nourished by the unremarkable and consistent pursuit of him as a lifestyle of prayer, as a lifestyle of, of seeking his face. And there's this coupling of the remarkable with the unremarkable. We have remarkable experiences where things happen, but we sustain and nourish that and actually mature in that and grow in that through the unremarkable, consistent day in, day out of seeking you when I don't feel like it, when I don't want to, when I'm hurting, when I'm happy, when I'm busy, when I'm not. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to let you nourish this. And the beautiful thing is that when we do that, if we do that, if we posture our life to do what I just said, that very simple thing, seek him with your life, no matter what you feel, and also seek him for mountaintop experiences and let those couple together, you will find as you journey down that path, his word made flesh in you. 1 John 15, it says, 1 John 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. My dream is that a people can so set their lives apart to seek him that when this city talks about you, they say the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory and we saw Jesus. That's fullness. That's what happens when every body, when every person, every joint supplies and works properly and speaks the truth in love and declares their message. We grow up into the full measure of Jesus Christ. Amen.